the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. August book of the month. Sign up to win it at 989theanswer.com. is called Hollowed Out, a warning about America's next generation by Jeremy S. Adams. What's the book about? Well, it's about... Do teachers have a front row seat to America's decline? Jeremy Adams is a teacher. He's been a teacher at the high school and the college levels, and uh, his opinion is yes. So uh, two grand prize winners will receive a signed copy of the book. Three other winners will receive a free copy of the book. Register at 989theanswer.com. I mentioned my friend Paul Doherty, columnist, Cincinnati Enquirer, wrote a great book. It's called An Uncomplicated Life. It's about his daughter Jillian. and her determination to overcome being born with Down syndrome. Uh, Jillian is married, living on her own. It's an amazing story. So Paul Doherty is not a guy who is out to bully any female, let alone a female athlete like Naomi Osaka. There's a big tennis tournament in Cincinnati this week, the Western and Southern, I think, open. Eight of the top ten players in the world are required to be there. So Naomi Osaka is there. She's been scarce and not heard from since the French Open, where she said questions from the media, she doesn't deal with them well. She's under a lot of pressure. Her Netflix documentary makes clear she's the she's the she's the family earner. She said, from the time I was little, I wanted to make it so my mom didn't have to work. And a lot of pressure, a lot of social media mention, a lot of buzz nas- uh, nationally and internationally. She's of Asian descent, so, you know, she's popular outside the United States. She's on the cover of Fashion Magazine. She has a huge social media following. She's young. She's very young. She's like 21, 22 years old, maybe. Uh, so, uh, Paul Doherty, Cincinnati Enquirer, first press conference for Naomi Osaka since she backed out of the French Open because she didn't want to do press conferences. He's like, you know, how do you balance it? You benefit from the attention you get, and you've also clearly demonstrated that it's a burden. Uh, Naomi Osaka and the Paul Doherty exchange uh, continues. Um, Here's the audio. All right, we are having computer issues. I'm frozen up. Sorry about that. That was was such a great setup. Um, There we go. When you say I'm not crazy about dealing with you guys, what does that refer to? Well, you've said it, you, you don't especially like the press conference format. And yet that seems to be the, the obviously the most widely used means of communicating to the media and through the media to the public. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I would say the occasion, like when to do the press conference is what I feel is the most difficult. But... And here she goes into a period where she says she's thinking. She's still composed emotionally. 
Doesn't look like she's in any danger of crying. Thinking. Um. Takes a little more time. Thinks it over a little bit more. But the monitor of the conference press conference has had enough. I think we can move on to the next question, Naomi. Do you want to move on to the next question? Um, no, I'm actually very interested in that like point of view. So if you could repeat that, that'd be awesome. Uh, the question was that you're not especially fond of uh, of dealing with the media, especially in this format. You have suggested there are better ways to do it, that, that we'd like to try to explore that. Uh, my, my question, I guess, was you also have uh, outside interests beyond tennis that, that are served by having uh, the, the platform that the media presents to you. My, uh, my question is, how, how are you able, how do you think you might be able to best balance the two? Um, I mean, for me, I feel like this is something that I can't, I can't really speak for everybody. I can only speak for myself. But ever since I was younger, I've had a lot of media interest on me. And I think it's because of my background as well as, you know, how I play. Um, Because in the first place, I'm a tennis player. That's why a lot of people are interested in me. So I would say in that regards, I'm quite different to a lot of people. And I can't really help that there are some things that I tweet or some things that I say that um, kind of create a lot of news articles or things like that. And I know that it's because I've won a couple Grand Slams um, and I've gotten to do a lot of press conferences that these things happen. Um, but I would also say, like, I, I'm not really sure how to balance it too, like I'm figuring it out at the same time as you are, I would say. Thank okay. You. Thank you, Paul. We've got we're gonna do four more questions or four more journalists. We're gonna go Courtney, okay. Jeff, Stuart, and then Ben Rothenberg. Now so this Courtney, goes south your name and- as the next question is asked, even though it's about tennis. Uh, Courtney Nguyen, WTA insider. Uh, hello Naomi. Hopefully it's okay if I ask a couple of tennis questions. Um, the first one okay. is... Okay, why would it not be okay for her to ask a couple of tennis questions? She's a tennis player. She's at a big tennis tournament. That is what she's there to do, answer questions on Zoom. You don't have to apologize for doing your job. But she apologized. And Naomi Osaka goes to pieces. Sorry. No, you're super good. Now she's starting to cry. She's clearly bothered. I don't know if her mind is on this question, the previous okay, I think question. we're just going to take a quick break. Just uh, we'll be back in one moment. Okay, so she left, and she eventually did come back and finish, but she was clearly bothered. Okay, so what has happened in the aftermath of this? Number one, Paul Doherty of the Cincinnati Enquirer has written a column about how she can be an important voice for mental health. She's clearly going through it. But what has also happened is that Paul Doherty has been, you know, savaged by people who take their cue from Naomi Osaka's agent, um, who said this, the bully at the Cincinnati Enquirer is the epitome of why player media relations are so fraught right now. Everyone on Zoom will agree that his tone was all wrong and his sole purpose was to intimidate. 
really appalling behavior. And the insinuation that Naomi owes her off-court success to the media is a myth. Don't be so self-indulgent. Boy, this guy really wants his 10% cut of her income. Because Paul Doherty's question was not at all intimidating. It was not at all bullying. And I may agree that he suggested that she benefits from the fame she gets by doing press conferences and media, but to insist otherwise is just inane. So a lot of little girls have Naomi Osaka as a hero. And it's pretty clear to me, all these people who want to come to her aid and the press conference monitor who, oh, Naomi, oh, don't, you don't have to answer. These people do not really care about Naomi Osaka. Just like people didn't really care about Leanne Rimes when she was a child star. Naomi Osaka does not sound to me like she's, at this point in time, stable enough to handle the pressure on her. So rather than ravage a reporter who, in as kind and measured a way as possible, asked a very fair question about how she balances the necessity of doing media, which helps all of her branding and all of her income, rather than ravage Paul Doherty or others who engage in the same kind of activity for which they are paid to do that so that Naomi Osaka can relate to her fans through the media. I think we need to take a harder look at the people who are depending on Naomi Osaka for whatever lavish lifestyle they glean from it, or on Simone Biles for whatever lavish lifestyle they glean from that. I'll allow that the pressure on young athletes can be oppressive. But the solution is not to marginalize those who try to ask them to articulate what they're struggling with so other people who are struggling with it but people don't care about them because they don't know them, they don't have millions of social media followers. Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles can be an important voice for them. So can Kevin Love, the Cleveland Cavaliers. People who've struggled with that and overcome it. But the people around Naomi Osaka are not trying to help her overcome it. They're trying to shield her from it. And that won't help her, and it won't help anybody else who she could help. So this discussion is interesting to me because I'm curious, like, how do your kid, who do your kids have heroes, public figure heroes? Do you monitor that? And it's obviously different now. My heroes growing up, like yeah, I saw them on TV maybe once a week if I was lucky, a Cincinnati Reds player or an Ohio State football player whose game would be on twice a year. You know, there's an old saying, don't meet your heroes. Because usually when we actually meet them, we don't like what we find out. So with school starting and the availability of heroes, could be a teacher, could be a principal, an administrator, maybe another kid in school who's a couple years older. I just was curious as we wrap up the show today in our final 15 minutes, if you have thoughts on steering your kids toward healthy heroes, 
what you learned from your experience and what you might try to do with them. 844-TALK-989, 844-TALK-989. It's the Bruce Hooley Show. Home stretch, Bruce Hooley Show. Yes, our new time slot, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We'll hand it off to Dennis Prager, top of the hour. Looking forward to that. Hopefully dodging the raindrops the rest of the day. Must have got pounded in New Albany, Wester Village yesterday. Aaron, have you uh, ever played the lovely Royal American Lynx? I don't think so. Not in the last 20 years. Oh, yeah, I haven't played it in the last 20 years either. Uh, was out there yesterday for a high school golf practice, and uh, they got smoked by rain. I see the rain is headed back in this afternoon. Looks like Reynoldsburg really got crushed, so flood watch is out there. Athens is in peril. Uh, hopefully um, won't be too bad, but uh, not fun. Who were your heroes growing up, Aaron? Were you a person that had uh, heroes, either politically or... In the athletic world or broadcasting hmm. world, you have heroes. Yeah, I mean, broadcasting world. I like uh, Jim Nance. I like his consistency over the years. His personality. Hello, friends. Personality-wise, also Jack Nicholas. There you go. I always like the way Good he hero. handled himself. Great yeah. guy to watch and mm-hmm. look up to. Um, you know, Jack Hanna is great as well. I say I feel about. Like him, like I do, Jack Nicholas. Yeah, same kind of. Yeah, classy you know, cultural icon manages success. Humble. Yeah, represents himself well. Represents yeah. the city well. Yeah, I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Do I mean I think kids have heroes now? I don't. I'm not comfortable with. I'm very cautious about my daughters. Like if I see like too much leaning toward, they don't do this, but like I know a lot of kids, Taylor Swift or, you know, rappers or Kardashians, all that kind of stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, your imagination was, I guess, more, you had to call upon your imagination more. And we didn't have a phone in our hand with Instagram and videos of all the whatever you wanted to watch. YouTube didn't exist. Kirk Herbstreit makes this point in his new book. It's like, you, know, you went out in the backyard and you played and you pretended. You pretended to be people. Like, I'd go out in the backyard with a football and I'd prepend, pretend to be Paul Warfield or I'd pretend to be... You know, Lance Allworth or somebody like that. I pretend to be Johnny Bench when I was playing baseball. Um, But now I don't know if kids, do they pretend, do they envision, or do they just worship? I think pretending can have value. Worshiping, not so much. Yeah, and it's limited now. Who you can pretend to be is also limited. Because why? Because you know too much about them and you know, well, this is like, I can't pretend to really be them because I can't come close enough. Well, and you know, you play try to play Cowboys Indians now. Oh well, that's your marginalized. You're gonna get yeah. shut yeah, down. Yeah, you're gonna get shut down for that for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't know if you talk to the kids these days if they say Nina West is my hero. Oh, in Columbus, heaven forbid. Heaven I don't know. Forbid. Kids without good parents would say that maybe it's probably the most yeah. um, nationwide person yeah, from na- Columbus. Yeah, right now. nationwide. Sh- is that right? Really, Nina West from um, from a nationwide perspective and entertainment. People say Columbus, Ohio. They think of a transgender. I'm trying to remember how this works now. You can almost stop and, there. I think people think of yeah. Columbus, Ohio as trans capital of well, one of one top three. Yeah. Oh boy, that's sad. 
Where are we, faith leaders? Where are we, moms and dads? Yeah, Nationwide Children's. Nationwide Children's holds up Nina West as a mental health advocate, a man in women's clothes. All right, junk that. Let's talk about something happier. I got the vibe yesterday in our meeting, or maybe two days ago in our meeting. Are you a foodie? I mean, yeah. I okay. Mean, I wouldn't, well, I, wouldn't, I didn't know that about you. I wouldn't say that about myself. Well, you were branded as a foodie. But in the if meeting. someone said that was me, I'd say, well, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I I think about food. I'm thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about, well, <laughs> let's see. There's five minutes and forty five seconds yeah. left in the show. Let's see. So, yeah, I guess. Okay. So I'm thinking about food right now too because I've started a new thing. Are you familiar with intermittent fasting? Yes. Have you ever practiced it? <laughs> Not on purpose. No? Okay. I'm practicing it now. Okay. And I'm practicing because I don't have it perfected. 18, it's, the way this works is, and I heard about this on a Megyn Kelly podcast, and I've heard about it before, and I thought, ah, I wonder if I could do that. The 18-6 plan is you eat within a six-hour window, you fast for 18 hours. Now, you can have coffee and water and all, but no flavored drinks, no pop, no drink mixes. Uh, so for me, I try to go from 6 p.m. until noon, and I'm here in the show, so I, I kind of can push the 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., 7 p.m. to 1 p.m. without eating. Mm-hmm. I've done it for four days, and I've not weighed myself, but my clothes fit differently. <laughs> Better. Are you purposefully... Um... Uh, eating like, the same, or is it like seven o'clock? It's time to slam a bunch of food no, because I'm not going to eat till tomorrow. No, one. I'm not doing that. Okay. I'm fighting that. Last night, honestly, like I was at the golf match, and then we came home, and I didn't have time to cook, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> Costco pizza night, and I probably had a piece more of that than I should have, but I didn't like crush the whole thing. I had four pieces, so I'm just intrigued if this. Will work. But the hardest part of it is the mental part of it. It's like it's morning. I should have breakfast. It's middle of the morning. I'm going to grab, you know, a handful of uh, mixed nuts. I don't need it, but I want it because I'm used to getting it. And that speaks to how privileged we are in this country, how blessed we are that we can just, you know, we eat like literally round the clock nonstop. And Alan does not help me across the hall. He has the candy corn jar, which mocks me from across the hall. But... I thought maybe as a branded foodie, are you familiar with the upcoming Columbus Food Truck Festival, which is happening in Hilliard on Saturday? Um, I didn't know it was happening this Saturday, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm aware of the festival. Uh, this says the Food Truck Festival will take place in Hilliard from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Oh, well, no, no, I'm sorry. 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Saturday. I thought, what are they open for two hours for? No, they're open for 12 hours. So they wouldn't fit my fasting uh window very well 11 a.m to 11 p.m saturday and noon to 7 sunday live music arts crafts vendors more than 40 gourmet food trucks are you food truck guy yeah do we have why don't we we don't have food trucks up here do we yeah i went to one yesterday really yeah uh well shout them out say who it was do you remember (laughs) well yeah yesterday i went to the the old Phillips Coney Island that closed. Now they're Phillips on wheels. Oh, nice. So I went and had a, a Coney dog, a Chicago dog. Shout out Phillips on wheels. Shout out Phillips on wheels. <laughs> I, I find, you know, the minor league sports teams 
always have better nicknames than the real pro sports teams. You know, the pro sports teams have to be boring now because Redskins is politically incorrect, Indians, Braves, all that. Uh, the minor league sports teams are are awesome, like the uh, Akron Rubber Ducks, the uh, Washington Wild Things. I find the food trucks naming to be better than the actual restaurant naming. Uh here, let me run through the list, some of these. Grilled Cheese Gangsters is going to be at the Food Truck Festival. The Hogback BBQ Pit. Uh, Two Good Eats, T-O-O. Two Good Eats. La Orangette. Taco Mania. Oh, your guys, Philip. Did you say Phillips on wheels? Yeah. They're going, they'll be there. Yummy Kettle Corn. Guys, a food truck with nothing but kettle corn? Yeah. That's like... Uh, What's the restaurant, the concept of which I don't get? The one that they do nothing but chicken fingers. Canes? Canes. I don't get that. Like, how did they get any capital behind that? We're going to serve chicken fingers, and what else? Chicken fingers. Anything else? Fries. What about main course? Chicken fingers. Okay. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.